Hello, so Dylan here, and I've got some news, which is that Alice Obscura is releasing its next big book, Gastro Obscura. It is co-authored by Cecily Wong and yours truly, and it's the work of a whole team of folks who we've been basically compiling the world's most interesting recipes, restaurants, ingredients, food histories, and putting them into this uh, world's edible wonders between two covers. It's hundreds of pages, hundreds of entries. It is a guide to eating, to travel, and to the joy and diversity found in food cultures the world over. So if this sounds like something you would be interested in, please check it out. It's called Gastro Obscura. Uh, I hope you like it. And on to the show. Is the mic on? Yeah. <clears throat> one, two, three. One, two, three. In the microscopic town of St. Vith in Belgium, there's a very unusual library. We have 107 from more or less 20 countries. It's not really open to the public. You can't check anything out. And every single item in the collection needs to be fed. We open the jars and we start feeding it and you see it bubbling and it's alive. It's like a pet. Presiding over this library and supervising the regular feedings is a guy named Carl. 72 is from Mexico. He's a jolly bearded man who roams the world to gather the oldest, rarest, and best specimens for his living library. 89 is from Germany, 90 from the Netherlands. For thousands of years we fed them and they fed us. But a radical new technology came along and we didn't really need them anymore. Then in 2020, a lot of people suddenly became very interested in the contents of this little library in Belgium. People are surprised when I say that, uh, that we have a sourdough library because many people have no idea what the sourdough really is. Fallen from grace and back in fashion, today we're talking about sourdough. I'm Annie Eubank, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're taking a tour of this totally unique library and doing a deep dive into the fascinating history of sourdough. We'll be back with our friend Dylan Thuris right after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils, you'll want to invite everyone over, from book club to the fantasy league, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils are infused with two times more natural essential oils versus regular Airwick Scented Oils for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Hmm. 
Transform your space with scents like white sage and mahogany or lavender and water lily. Now that's a breath of fresh air wick. So, uh, Annie, what's your relationship to bread-related things? It was definitely something that I was really interested in when I was younger. I had one summer, actually, where all I did was bake sourdough. That's how I know you're cool, because you were like 15 years <laughs> early to the 2020 sourdough trend. <laughs> well, welcome back to uh, this episode of Cooking at Home during a global pandemic. Now, today we're doing a pandemic response sourdough start. Flour has been flying off the shelves and is being... I got into making sourdough I've been bread. on the sourdough train. So I hopped on the sourdough bread making train. This is a video for the new... The sourdough train. Uh, Dylan, did you, did you get on the sourdough train? The truth is, is my wife is the real baker in the house. So I watched the sourdough train kind of like <laughs> arrive and leave the station each day. Yeah, I don't know how much your wife has told you or how much you know about sourdough, but... What you have to understand is that starter does the same job as yeast, but there's also other stuff in there. There's bacteria and other organisms. And so it's actually alive. And if you just keep feeding it and taking care of it, this colony of, of organisms can live for a long time and people can pass it down to their kids and their kids can pass it on to their kids. Um, so you know, at the start of the pandemic, I also got on the sourdough train. And so my most recent starter, um, I named him Squishy the Third, and he unfortunately <laughs> died. I had to pour him down the sink oh, no. because I forgot to feed him for a while. It's so much sadder that he had that he had a name that Squishy the Third is no longer with us. I know. Also, obviously, <laughs> you know, presumably met a similar fate fate as Squishy the Second and Squishy the First. Yeah, all all down the garbage disposal. <laughs> Rest in peace, Squishy. <laughs> but I mean, it, it is honestly kind of hard to keep a starter alive. Like, it's not so simple. Yeah. So imagine if you had a hundred of these things that you had to kind of like feed and take care of all the time. I could not. I could barely manage the one. I could not do it. But actually, there is someone out there who is doing that if we want to, you know, come away from my sad experience. And this is where I get to introduce you to Carl de Smet, who runs the Sourdough Library in Belgium. I'm a baker uh, confectioner. And when I started to work for the company, I started as a test baker in the lab. I immediately got interested by this dough that I'd never seen before. I, I read about it and we had some theoretical explanation in school about sourdough, but we actually never made one. And so being a baker, you want to know more about but what's going on in there. And then you start feeding it and you see it bubbling and it's alive. It's like a pet. When you bake bread with that, it's so different than when you make bread just with yeast. And then when you, when you start getting into Sourdough, well, you see that there is a lot of things that are undiscovered and so that, that, that there is an amazing uh, work that can be done. So, Carl, it sounds like he was working in a, a test kitchen. Yeah, and it's actually really funny because, you know, you'd think that, like, he'd work for some, like, artisanal bakery. But, like, Pyridos, the company that owns the Sourdough Library, is just a huge industrial baking supply company. And pretty early on, they wanted to sell sourdough making supplies. And so they started researching using a sample of sourdough from San Francisco, of course. 
With this one, I have a very special relationship because it was my, my very first sourdough I saw in my life. And so I started refreshing it and I, I had to bake with it. And then we decided to do a study on sourdough. And it's this one. It's a sourdough from Altamura in the south of Italy. And this is a sourdough that has been around for probably more than 2,000 years because it has been described in a book from Horatio. He was a Roman poet. And the study was so interesting that we said, well, let's go and pick up some sourdoughs from different places in Italy. And so after San Francisco and Altamura, this starter collection project just snowballed from there. Carl basically said, let's wander around Italy and just gather a bunch of starters. And the company started studying the different colonies of microbes in them that made them so distinct. And after gathering 17 examples from Italy, one day his team got a call from a baker all the way over in Lebanon. And that, for Carl, is where everything changed. We were called by a Syrian baker in Lebanon. This baker was using a starter that was 100 years old. The family had been using the starter for generations and passing it down. But a few years ago, the baker's kids started getting involved in the business. And they discovered, when they were on an exhibition in Paris, they discovered instant dry yeast. And when they got back home, they said, Papa, Papa, we, when we take over the bakery, we are not going to use your complex thing. We prefer to go out for a, for a nice drink with friends. And then if we come in the bakery, we'll just use instant dry yeast. It's less complex, it's faster, it's easier. So really what happened was dried yeast kind of put an end to this really long tradition in a lot of parts of the world where people were maintaining these microbial colonies and passing them down through the decades or even through the generations. And the father was so upset and he called upon us. He said, look, I want you to describe every single step that I take so that it's documented somewhere. And that when my sons realize that what they are doing is different than what I and my grandfather and all our ancestors were doing, I know that they can come back to you and that they can get back that formula in order to create that chickpea fermentation. And that's what triggered us to say, well, there's probably thousands of sourdoughs out there in the world that might disappear. So let's try to collect them. So Carl starts this journey around the world looking for starters to add to the library. Um, and so sometimes he gets them from, you know, expensive artisanal bakeries, but other times he's in normal people's kitchens. Like uh, he went to the Yukon in Alaska and to pick up a starter there that was brought by a, by a gold miner during the Alaskan gold rush. And so it's really, it's really cool what he's doing. Um, it's kind of, you know, preserving these uh, microbial colonies that humans have used for generations. That's so crazy. It's such an interesting shift from like, it's a baking project to like, no, 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 it's a preservation project. Yeah, and now Carl has this massive collection of sourdough starters. And so he actually convinced his his higher-ups at Pyridos to let him build like a 
physical library to display them all, uh, which is actually inside of the Pirido Center for Bread Flavor in St. Vith. And it's just this room full of refrigerated display cases, and all of the starters are kept in individual glass jars, and they're all numbered. As of last year, in 2020, Carl was up to 125 starters. As someone who had to go at, at the late into the night and like pour out old sourdough <laughs> and scoop in flour and warm water, that's like a lot of mouths to feed, 107. How does Carl keep up with 107 starters? So the thing is, uh, sourdough starters can get colonized by other microbes, but the whole point of this project is that Carl wants these starters to, you know, keep their unique identities for as long as possible so that they can be studied. Um, so he has this really regimented system for feeding them. We do that six times per year. If I would feed a sourdough here every day, it will probably be, be, be changing because of the microorganisms in the air. But the fact that we only do it six times per year the cultures that we have present in the jar are so strong that it's not easy to invade them and to change their life. I often compare that to a, a young settlement when you, in the past, when conquerors arrived on a country and they, they built like a settlement compared to that same settlement centuries later, where you have a fortress and a wall surrounding the city, it's more difficult to overtake that city as if it was a settlement. So a young starter is very vulnerable to changes from outside, but when you have a mature starter, it's not that easy to change the life inside. And he has a secret weapon. Every single starter in the library is fed with its original flour sourced from the original owner. We open the jars and we feed the sourdough with their original flour, following the original recipe, and that guarantees that they are not changing. It's a lot of effort to maintain this library. You know, Carl researches these starters, you know, goes to the home countries to source these starters, transports them all the way back to Belgium, and then studies and bakes with them constantly. But it's such a cool and worthwhile project. You know, in a way, the library is a monument to these bakers and to these uh, wild yeast and bacteria colonies that coexist with us. And, you know, if someone keeps them safe and keeps giving them a little flower once in a while, they can kind of be immortal. The world has been fed for 5,000 years based on bread and probably will be fed the coming centuries, millennia, with bread. The, the life in there, that you can capture that and safeguard it for the future, that's my dream. And having samples now that we can study today, in 10 years, in 20 years, still be able to go back to the origin, that's the most beautiful thing that, that can happen. Even long time after that I will be gone, that people will be able to study these sourdoughs like we have now the possibility to read a 2,000-year-old book. Well, in the future, other people and I hope a lot more other people than just me will have access to this, to this amazing place. Our thanks to Carl DeSmet, as well as Seth Coleman, who recorded that interview with him back in 2018. Uh, and Annie... 
thank you for taking us on this incredible sourdough journey. It was my pleasure. And if you want to learn more about the sourdough library, you can check out our online Atlas Obscura entry. We've put the link in the show notes. And to keep up with Carl DeSmet, you can look at his website, thequestforsourdough.com. This podcast is a co-production of Alice Obscura and Witness Docs. Our production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, and John Delore. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. This episode was mixed by Luz Fleming. I'm Dylan Thuris. And I'm Annie Eubank. And we are wishing you all the wonder in the world. Talk to you soon. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Women Who Travel is a transported podcast for anyone curious about the world. We talk to adventurers and athletes. I've raced the God's Own Adventure Race, which is on the South Island and goes through the mountains down in the Southern Alps on New Zealand. That was eight days spent out in the wilderness. And chefs. Iranian food is home, it's family, it's love. And we share dispatches from our listeners. Ireland is full of these, I will call them ghosts of the past. From stampeding elephants to training sled dogs. We hear it all. The dogs will curl right up with you, and it can be kind of cozy waiting things out. New episodes of Women Who Travel publish every Thursday. Join us wherever you listen. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex of bugs. (laughs) Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts.